You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. I'm your host, Brooke Walker, and today we could call ourselves playmates because the topic on the table, it's a fun one. It's a good one, too, though. It's a fun one with depth and with layers that ultimately I think you'll see immediately how it can pay off and benefit your family. We're talking about the power of play. So I'm sure you've heard the saying, work hard, play hard. It's an approach that not only helps balance your life, but it can bring families closer and create bonds. There are going to be a lot of brilliant observations and statements made over the next few minutes that I think will kind of break your brain a little bit as to how we think about play. For example, I'll give you just one little example, one preview, if you will. Our guest today makes the intriguing point that play doesn't have to come after work. In fact, it shouldn't. If we are prioritizing play, according to Heather Johnson, it will enrich every aspect of our life in more ways than you think. Heather Johnson is a family researcher, a public speaker, an educator, and parenting expert, and she's put plenty of parenting theories to the test, raising her own six children. She always has a way of bringing these topics to light and to life in a meaningful way, and this topic is no exception. Listen in as she shares the two different kinds of play, why we need both, and how we can customize the play that happens within our home, with our kids, with our grandkids, to our parenting strengths, and even our individual personalities. Here's my conversation with Heather Johnson on the power of play. All right, one of my favorite guests, and I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to her, talking about what I think will be one of my favorite topics, Heather Johnson, the power of play. I'm here for it. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So parents get to play too. Is that the big takeaway? We'll get right to it. Yeah. And wouldn't that be nice to consider that we get to play? How come it only goes to kids? Why do only kids get to play? I mean, come on. What was your favorite game to play as a kid? What was your favorite go-to? Were you like a Barbie girl? Were you a Candyland queen? Mm. No, you know what? I was actually outside. I was like a kickball fan. Yeah. A huge kickball fan. And then I grew up in Southern California. So in Southern California, you don't put shoes on very often if you don't have to. <laughs> and so we could run mountains and streets and roads and kick. Kickball was always played barefoot. Awesome. And loved it. We also used to make up this really, well, pretty much I did. As an oldest kid, I was always making something up. Yeah. And I used to have my brothers play this fake police game we played on our bike. Where yeah. They would break a rule. I would write them a ticket. They would have to go to jail. You can only see, right? The only girl, two younger brothers, you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was my very favorite too. You were the enforcer laying down the law. Yeah, well, you know. When I was five, I have this, and I'm so glad it's a distinct memory because it was a moment. But when I was five... my mom ensured that I was outside at a certain time. And I, of course, I wasn't suspicious because you're just a global five-year-old. And I happened to be outside with two of my best little neighbor friends. And they, down the street comes this playhouse, like this wood playhouse on a trailer. Mm. And everyone's like, oh! and it kind of became like this game show moment. Like, where are they going to stop? Door one, door two, door three. And they pulled up right in front of my house. And this playhouse, just this <sighs> humble, small little playhouse became like, the the crown jewel of my childhood. And I laugh now because 
and my parents were so great to set it up like a mini house in our backyard, right? I had a little table and some Walmart $3 throw rugs on the floor and the windows closed and open. But I laugh now because I literally spent, I think, all of the summer before first grade sweeping my house. Like I was doing housework for the whole darn summer. That was my play. <laughs> I mean, if only it was as fun now as it was then, right? Yeah, really, especially the sweeping and the cleaning. I know. And the- all of that. I now, know. now we see it as work, right? right? Exactly. Exactly. But back then it was play. All right. I, I am smitten with this topic just because I do, we all have a desire, I think, to be the fun mom or to be the fun parent and to bring that lightness and levity to the everyday roles and responsibilities of parenting. Why does play matter so much from the parent perspective? Why is play important? And that's where we want to start because if we can start by understanding that it does matter, we might actually be able to get on board with this. Right. So when we recognize that play does everything from teaching values, it teaches our kids how to adapt and negotiate, right? Those adaptation and negotiation skills. It connects us with each other. Play develops identity and a sense of belonging. It helps bring predictability. It could go on and on. We haven't even gotten to the fact that play makes memories and memories are actually what make up our lives. Right. So all of these things, that connection, that rejuvenation, which is another big one we often forget. Play offers opportunities for us to rejuvenate. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I don't care if I'm five or if I'm 40. I need that every day. Yeah. And play gives us those things. The benefits are monumental. So we have to be believers first. You have to be believers. Well, and you framed it up so well because to believe in the power of play, then it becomes our priority. And I guess that's why I asked you to frame it from the parenting perspective because we don't see play as like one of our parenting to-dos. Like, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to keep them clean. I'm going to dress these kids and teach these kids. But play should really be at the top of our list then. Absolutely. In fact, there's oftentimes when we look at the things that create successful families and successful relationships. And remember, this is a marriage, you know, a relationship between a husband and wife. This is also a family and individuals. And on that list, every time is play. Every time, right? When we look at even top 10 uh, of the things that contribute to successful families, we often call it play. We can say it's fun. We've heard it referred to as wholesome recreation, which means it's not aimless. There are a lot of words for it. And doesn't matter what you call it, it's always at the top of the list. Right? I love how we dignify it and try to give it educational grounding by saying wholesome <laughs> recreation. Like like it makes it feel, right, more substantial or more validating. Right? Yeah, exactly. Now we can do it. Well, even the word itself, right? It always is funny to me. And you probably remember this exact space. Do you remember the year, the moment even, when you couldn't actually say play on the phone anymore? Like a friend called, and said, do you want to hang out ah. instead of do you want to play? Yeah. Right? And and for some people, it's younger. It's like kind of 8 to 10. But most of us, it's kind of like that 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden, my friend used to call and say, hey, Heather, do you want to play? And then all of a sudden, she called and say, said, hey, you want to hang out? And and we have this stigma that play is bad. Yeah. And so we got to grow out of it. We got to get over it. And once we turn that corner... We have something wrong with us if we choose to go back. We're weak in some way. We have our priorities messed up in some way, right? Yeah. Uh, Imagine if one of your sisters called and said, hey, you want to go play on Friday? You'd go, "Um, (laughs) can you come again? (laughs) Are we bringing kids? Yeah. Yeah. Play date? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is this a play date? Like what age group, right? And so we feel this shift. Play really does often have this time-wasting, I'm not mature enough feeling to it. And it's unfortunate because the benefits don't stop at 13 Mm -hmm. and you can call it whatever you want. If it's not a part of your life, we are missing a very, very grand addition. 
we're missing out. So the stereotype, the stigma of play is certainly a challenge. I have to think our modern day pace, and I always hate to, you know, blame the blame the culprit of technology, but I have to think all of that contributes right now to this detachment from good old fashioned play. Absolutely. Right. We are always looking, no matter what it is, no matter what age, for whatever path of uh, path we can take that has least resistance. Right. And so oftentimes play is something we fit in when there's free time. That that's also part of this problem before we even get to technology is that we see it as something that we can do if everything else is done. Mm. Right. We pit play and work against each other every day. I mean, we do this with our kids all the time. No, no, no. When your work is done, whatever time is left, you can play with. Yeah. Instead of realizing that it is of equal importance, right? That is also necessary. Play is not the opposite of work. Play enriches our life. And so when it then comes to free time, which is often when we play, we need the quickest path to entertainment. And that's why we choose technology. It's fast and easy. It takes way more effort to go outside and come up with a game where you're a policeman and you have to write tickets or a lot more time to find the ball to play kickball or to go get the broom and rearrange the playhouse. So when technology kicks in, not only does it does it give us that quick path to giving us something mm-hmm. so we avoid the play that benefits us the most, but it also puts us in a position where we really do get lured in and connected to it. We get trapped in that space. And then it's really hard to pull out. It's really, really hard to pull ourselves back to energy. Yeah. And play takes yeah. energy. It takes work. It takes effort. It right? takes thoughtfulness. It takes work. It does. So that tech... That tech is a really big deal. If we could tame that, I mean, consider if you could take 15 minutes away from technology and you put that immediately into playing with your family. It would ensure us 15 minutes a day of being able to play together. That is huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So if we can tame that technology that you're referring to, tame the screens around us, the things in our ears all the time, it's built-in playtime. And that's built one of in. your big points as, as we explore as parents, how we can promote more play and work mm-hmm. more play into our everyday to enrich our lives, as you talked about, taming technology and also tackling time. What do you mean by that? Yeah, time is this space, again, where we often are spending it away from each other. We're spending it doing individual things instead of together. It's really hard to play when we're not together. And so we actually need to consider how can we be together instead of how can we be separate? And we don't often do that, right? We look at our calendar, we take everything else, we schedule the dentist and the cheer and we schedule the school and we schedule the tennis, we schedule all these things. But if we looked at our calendars, our time, is there anywhere where it says play? I mean, we have to schedule that in just like we schedule in everything else. But remember, if we're not a believer, we're not looking to schedule it in. We're a believer in dentists. Hmm. We find them important right? We are a believer in, in extracurricular activities. They benefit our children and help them get into college. Like we, we have beliefs in these things already. We've got to gain it in play also. And ironically enough, the only way we do that is to actually go play. To get out there and do it. We got to get out there and do it. So, I, you know, in this space, there's a, there's a couple things that kind of get in the way. Technology is one, yeah. not making it that priority with our time, deciding one that one is good and one is bad. You know, it's so sad that we pit them against each other. This is a really big one. We also tend to be really afraid of judgment and that mm. keeps us from choosing to play, right? What, what do you feel or what do we think if our neighbors drive by and we're outside on the front lawn all the time playing? 
Mm. We find ourselves in that space where we're afraid they're going to think we're lazy yeah. or we don't get our work done. I right? Say, you felt- even worse if the garage doors open and they can see just how messy yeah. my garage is. When I should be cleaning the garage, I'm instead kicking the ball out on the front yard. <sighs> Oh, that's awesome. We've all felt that, right? Or our grass needs mowed, or we know the kitchen is, you know, not dishes in the dishwasher put away. And then people around us see it. And all of a sudden we feel this shame where it's like, well, I don't, I don't deserve to be out here to play. I can't do this. They're going to think I'm childish or I'm something. And so we don't choose it because we're afraid what other people might think. Mm. And this is really a space just like anything else where if we want our families to be connected, we decide what's good for us, no matter what the neighbors think. Yeah. No matter what the neighbors think. Because really, they probably agree and would love to be playing too, but they're not quite sure how to break through that barrier of judgment. Mm -hmm. They're not quite sure how to own it. So we we can't go off of worrying about what other people think. You want to play? Go play. And you will find the benefits far exceed anything. You touched on play needing to be a priority. In other words, it doesn't have to come after work. It doesn't have to compete with chores or with responsibility. In fact, you're challenging parents to make play a priority every day, like work it in on the daily, not just on Saturday, not just when we have time, but make it that conscious effort. Yeah, absolutely. And literally, if we have to start by putting it on a calendar, put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. Now, there's a couple of different types of play, which it's kind of fun to just recognize so that we can see. Also, because they play to our personalities differently. Okay. But it's important to know that we need both types, right? So there's this spontaneous play. Spontaneous is when all of a sudden your three-year-old grabs an empty paper towel roll and now everybody gets behind her and now you've made a band and you're marching through the house. That's spontaneous play. Yeah. Right. Uh, It's in our house when all of a sudden someone from the basement yells, who wants to play ping pong? and somebody heads down to play ping pong. That's spontaneous, okay? Spontaneous play gives us this really secure and stable foundation because we're connecting with no other resources necessary. Mm. Really quick, really easy, safe at home. It kind of feels like the magic kind, like the magical moments that pop up in the house that we treasure and want to just like bottle up. Absolutely. And we need them. In fact, we need them more than the other type of play, which is deliberate. Now, it doesn't mean we don't need deliberate. We just need the spontaneous the most. Mm. Deliberate takes more planning, more time, more energy, more resources. This is our trip to Disneyland. This is our trip, you know, on vacation. This is a Saturday experience that's going to cost money and take six hours instead of 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We need both. And so a really great place to start when we're trying to put this in is recognizing, do we have both of these things in our lives? Okay. Are we always at home every single day and we never venture out? Or do we also add the deliberate play where we end up at the park? We don't usually go there. We spend six hours. We have to learn to adapt because it rains. And now we've got a whole new set of principles that we've shared through play. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to know. The other thing that I love about knowing that there's kind of those different types of play is that our own personalities as parents work with that differently, Uh right? Yes. Some of us feel really comfortable with deliberate play, right? Give me an airline website and give me hotels and give me a new city on money, Yeah. right? And somebody might feel that way. Someone might feel like that type of play they're so good at, but when all of a sudden they're at home and they need to be silly and goofy and roll around on the floor, Oh, that can feel so painful. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So painful. So knowing that we need both in our lives kind of eases up this pressure on us as parents. It's okay to know what you're good at and play the heck out of that side. Mm. 
I love go that. that route. Yes. Now, it's not an excuse to not offer the other, but oftentimes we'll have a spouse or our kids that can help execute the part we're uncomfortable with. Uh-huh. So it's not an excuse, but this idea that um, we might not like the same things or that things are uncomfortable when it comes to play, it's okay. It's okay. You and I have had conversations before. I am not a good making animal noise mom. And I've learned through these conversations of years past not to pressure you into being the cow or being the chicken just for example's sake. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. That's why we're friends. I really, really do appreciate that. (laughs) Safe space. You give me? Safe space. I, I really am not good at that. It is so uncomfortable to me to consider making animal noises or having accents. I mean, I'll speak French. It's a language, but you want me to like, ah, it's so uncomfortable. (laughs) My insides get all tightened up. And I think, man, I'd rather be doing laundry. Does the toilet need cleaned? (laughs) But if I focus so much on that's the only way to play, I'm stuck. And I feel like I can't execute it. But if I instead offer up what I do know I'm comfortable with and give that to our kids, you know, I am money with crayons and a coloring book. Mm -hmm. I can sit in front of that with you all day long, right? I can wrestle with you all day long. I can play catch with you all day long. I'll play ping pong with you. Our daughter and I just did a thousand hits with no mistakes just about three weeks ago. What? A thousand? All day. Whatever. I know. That's impressive. We actually did did a thousand and three and then we were so bored. We're like, well, I guess we just... Quit. What, what do you do? We just had to quit. What do you do right? when you're the best? Paddle drop. But, done. I, I, I know. What do we do? Done. That, I can do those things all day. So instead of thinking it has to look a certain way, it has to be animal sounds. I have to realize I too am human. And so if I can offer play in a way that I can jump on board at the beginning, it will soften and I can start to feel safer playing in all the places I'm uncomfortable. That's great. Right? If you let me be a fireman first and have a real job, it's then a lot easier for me to be a cow or a dog next. Yes. Yes. Right? Because I can play the professional real person. I can be a human and act like a human. Right. Then I can ease into the animal. It's just a really great way to recognize that play is not about figuring out how to be someone else or be your neighbor or do what you see on TV. Play in your home works because it's what works for your family. Because it's and part everybody's of you. play is different, and it's okay to do that. I don't want to yeah. overpress or overcomplicate because the whole point in this is just play. Like however you do it, like you talked about, however you're comfortable, more is what we're after. However, if we wanted to maybe level up just a little, are there mm-hmm. things about play, about the deliberate play or the spontaneous play that make it more beneficial or that make it, you know, the payoff is a little bit greater because I was imaginative or because I, any, any traits like that? Yeah. So when you look at deliberate play, what deliberate play gives our families and our, our kids is it gives them an opportunity to learn two things, adaptation and negotiation skills. Okay. Okay. That is at its core. That's what deliberate play gives families, gives individuals. Because when we do those deliberate things, they take us out of a comfort zone and put us in a position where, for example, we're camping and it rains. And so we can't fish and we can't hike. So we have to adapt and negotiate to still have a good experience. Mm -hmm. That's what deliberate play does, right? Now, here's how it translates. Now, all of a sudden you come back home and you've told your kids you're going to go get ice cream, but you get there and the store is closed. And so now they're in a real life situation where they need to learn how to adapt and negotiate. Same as when it rained on your camping trip, right? And so now these benefits, these abilities and skills, we can parlay them right back into our real life. I don't know if you've ever 
taken your three-year-old to an ice cream store that's already closed, (laughs) but it is a really sad day. Oh boy. Yes. But how cool that because of play, right? Like they want to do something in your, you know, as they're playing and it doesn't work out. How cool to think that they can look at it and go, well, let's try another store or let's go to the grocery store and buy ice cream and cones and we'll make them at home. Mm -hmm. That's adaptation. That's renegotiating. So when it comes to deliberate, those are our key benefits that are so powerful, right? When it comes to spontaneous, that's very much having stability and security. It's setting a foundation. Now you also reference like, do we need to be imaginative? Do we need to be physical? Do we need to be? And although we could look at each individual type of play and say, here are the benefits, it's much more important that we just figure out how to spend time playing than worry too much about, do I have 15 minutes imaginative? Yeah. 15 minutes physical, just play. Just do it. Just let your guard down and play. Yeah. Don't worry about the dishes, play. Just yeah. play. Are right? there strengths? So, are there, is there strength in numbers? In other words, like the more the merrier, does that apply or enhance the benefits of play at all? Yeah. Interestingly enough, we think that, right? We think it in marriages. We think it in our families that there is a more is always better. Yeah. And for a long time, we subscribe to that. And it's actually not not what we find that's not the truth. It's satisfaction with amount that is optimal, Ah. right? Now we have to be careful because then someone hears this and is like, well, I'm satisfied with no play. So that's just fine for me. (laughs) Oh, good. Heather, thanks for validating me. Oh, good. Thanks for making it so that I never have to make cow noises again, right? That's not what we're saying. There is healthy and unhealthy. But we want to worry about being satisfied. If you have children who are on board with play and you never do it, there is a discrepancy in satisfaction with amount. We're all happiest when we're satisfied with the amount. Now, I mean, you parlay this into anything. This is in a marital relationship. It's satisfaction with amount of all the things, date night, communication, meals together, coming and going. So our focus should be not so much on, I got to do more, more, more. It should be on understanding my family and having everyone be satisfied with the amount in which we play. Love that. The problems problems come when somebody's not satisfied. Yeah. When somebody wants more, somebody wants less. When the three-year-old needs the ice cream is basically what we're saying here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We want it to be the satisfaction with the amount. That's what matters the most. That's what matters in these situations. Ultimately, Heather, and, and in conclusion, a playful house, a playful family is what? What's the big takeaway, the big payoff? We talked about an enriching overall life. I assume there's a vibe too and a closeness that will come as we really flex the power of play in our homes and in our families. Yeah, you know, you when you ask that, the very first word that comes to mind is relaxed. Ah, I love and, that. And a home in which play exists is a relaxed home. It is. It's a relaxed home. And, and that's the vibe, right? That's the vibe that we get. We are relaxed, which means our emotions are under control, which means we are not easily provoked, which means there's an added measure of patience and sharing. Wouldn't that be so cool if our kids shared more, right? It's, it's all of these things because we're relaxed. And I think that that really, that describes what a home with play would look like, right? Not to mention that play is this space where if there is conflict in your home, Play is actually one of the very best ways to work through and talk about and deal with conflicts, mm. right? Oftentimes we have teenagers where if you can't connect with them, go play, go play, connect over play, which will open up their hearts and minds to then actually have the hard conversations about curfew 
or alcohol or bad grades because we connected over play first. It connects us. And it's really cool that way. Um, the other thing too, as you, you know, ask kind of what it does, you're probably familiar with Stephen Covey, right? Yes, Who's, yes. Who wrote for years and we're all familiar with his stuff. Uh, one of my very favorite kind of examples of why this matters comes from his seven habits book. And he talks about these two men who are both cutting down trees. And if you're familiar with it, the trees are very similar. They're same height, same width, all of that. And as they're cutting down these trees, one of the men takes a break every hour from his work. And the other man keeps going. He never takes a break. And they get done at the end of the day. And the man who continually took a break actually fell his tree first and cut it down first. His fell first. And the other man is a little bit annoyed. And he looks at him and he goes, look, I don't get it. I never quit. You took a break every single hour. How did you finish before I did? And he looks at him and he says, what you didn't see is that every time I took a break, I sharpened my saw. Mm. And if we could look at play this way, it's not about taking the break. That's really cool. It's really great. He took a break and we can look at play that way. We can look at play as taking a break, but more importantly is what he chose to do when he took the break. That's what's most important. That's what play is. It's filling the break with the thing that helps us come back to our job sharper and more connected and more patient and more engaged and involved and rejuvenated and recharged. That's what happened when he sharpened his saw. That is what play is. It, yeah, we got to take the break, but it's bigger than that. It's choosing during that break, the thing that helps us come back ready to tackle our job again. Perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. Perfect way to end and punch home this awesome topic. I'm all, I'm feeling all charged up and, and, and passionate toward this topic now too. The Power of Play with Heather Johnson. Heather, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Of course. I really enjoyed that conversation. I know you did as well. Heather has a private practice where she coaches couples, individuals, families, and companies too. You can get in touch with her through her email address. We'll post it below in the notes section of this podcast. And you've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Today's topic, the power of play with Heather Johnson. If you liked this conversation, if it resonated with you, we'll invite you to like, subscribe, rate, or review this podcast wherever you get your media. And we hope you'll be able to listen in and join in next time. Have a great day.